0: Shalom and welcome to Progressively Jewish, the podcast that helps you explore your Judaism through a progressive Jewish lens. Today, on the theme of redemption, we're delighted to welcome Rabbi Gershon Sillins. You have quite likely seen paintings and figurines of a man in traditional Jewish garb. Talit, kippah, black suit, beard arms upraised, one leg lifted in a clumsy but heartfelt hop. It is sometimes called the dancing chassid, and it seems to tell us that no matter how distant our lives are from anything like the figure portrayed, this image is, in some inexplicable way, our true Jewish heritage. And just who is this chassid? He is simple and happy. All of his Jewish identity is bound up in a joyful dance step. What a relief! Judaism isn't complicated and dull. As it so often seems to us, this representation of the Hasidic movement suggests that Hasidism exists simply to lighten things up and to entertain us. And that seems to be all we need to know about Hasidism. But that would be a terrible loss. Quite surprisingly, Hasidism represents one of the most radical, enlightening and surprisingly contemporary theological developments in Jewish history. Hasidism arose in part out of Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah. In the 16th century, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria taught that in the process of creation, the vessels containing the divine light were shattered, their pieces falling like sparks everywhere in the created world. His teaching encouraged the restoration of these holy sparks to their divine source through special thoughts and practices by an elite group of mystics in order to speed the coming of the Messiah. Hasidism transformed this idea into something available to every person, to perfect not the world, but the individual person, him or herself. It taught that this happens when a person serves God in everything he or she does, by doing everything, even the most mundane activity, with utter sincerity, making every activity a holy act. Hasidism began with obscure mysticism and turned it into something that anyone could, And should do. Hasidism was founded by Israel ben Eliezer, born around 1700, an orphan dependent upon the charity of the community. He spent as much time as he could outside in the open air. When he was 36, he began his career first as a healer, a Baal Shem, or Master of the Name. His focus on the actual experience of religious devotion, rather than Talmudic study, brought him students, And a movement arose around him with Israel ben Eliezer as its leader, who was now called the Baal Shem Tov, which is usually abbreviated to Besht. Where Kabbalah excluded, Hasidism included. Where Kabbalah focused on fasting and discipline, Hasidism encouraged its followers to see divinely inspired joy in every activity, including and especially the joyous ones. And Hasidism did not preach disobedience to halakha, Jewish law. It taught instead that every mitzvah was a sanctified act. And more than that, even error could be turned into holiness, not because disobedience to the mitzvot could be justified, but because God's presence could be found everywhere, by everyone, and in everything. Each person had his or her own purpose in the world. Now, these ideas were often carried forward in something known as the drash, a form of midrash, a parable with a Jewish message. The interpretations were complex, but they never lost sight of the individual. Although this is a theology for Jews and traditional ones at that, it has something to say to everyone. Now, for example, here is a Hasidic drash on Noah. It asks why God commanded Noah to build the ark. And the answer is this. Noah was a righteous man, an actual living man who brought life to all. So God commanded him to make an ark representing the world and to take into it all the creatures in the world. Just as all the creatures in the world are sustained by the righteousness of God, the righteous one, the foundation of the world, as Proverbs describes God, so God commanded Noah to follow this example as a righteous one below, by making an ark and putting all the creatures into it, for the righteous should give life and sustain all. So this drosh begins simply with one of the tales that we can all bring to mind, Noah's gathering of the animals to save them in the ark. It links this picture with a later biblical text from Proverbs, then with God's transcendent power, and finally the way in which God's transcendent power makes its way to the human realm. This power originates with God, then first goes to Noah, as he preserves the lives of the creatures of the earth, and then to the righteous ones who are living now, whose duty it is, as Noah's was, to give and sustain life. The story is a way of asking, what is righteousness? And what was it about Noah that made him righteous in his generation? This midrash is an answer to the question of what righteousness is and how it works in the world. And here is another drash about how we can attain it. In the first chapter of Genesis, there is a surprising repetition in the phrase, and God created man in God's own image. In the image of God, God created him. Why does the Torah say it twice? The Torah seldom repeats, and when it does repeat, We assume there's a reason for it and the reason here according to the drash is that because a person is indeed created in two images The image of God and the image of him or herself the person he or she is meant to be Each of us is different from everyone else And no one can do the work of another because each of us occupies a special place in the world but each of us is also made in the divine image, and it is that which provides the deepest meaning of existence. Even stripped of its religious language, we can relate to this, the sense that there is a truly authentic self, one that we discover in important moments, when we are doing what we know we were meant to do in the world. There is a well-known story told about Rabbi Zussia of Hanipol his disciples asked him if the heavenly judge would ask him, why were you not Moses or Akiva? Zusia replied that God would ask him that much more difficult question, why were you not Zusya? Kabbalah taught elite mystics to restore the holy sparks that were scattered throughout the world. Hasidism transformed this idea into a task that everyone could do and therefore that everyone should do, the things that would perfect him or herself in the hallowing of all things, and through that self-development, contribute to the redemption of the world. A Hasidic Rebbe asked his disciples, what is the most important task that a person can undertake? Well, one of them replied, oh, perhaps it's the Sabbath. And another one ventured, maybe it's Torah study. And a third suggested, well, perhaps it's prayer. And the Rebbe replied, no. The most important task a person can undertake is whatever he happens to be doing at the moment. This is radical and liberating. And now we can see that in the Hasidic story I told you a few minutes ago, Noah did not need to be perfect to build the ark and save the remnants of God's creation. He didn't have to be as righteous as Abraham and Moses. He just had to be himself. Noah, righteous in his generation. As God sustains all creatures of the world in righteousness, so did Noah following God's example and God's commandments. The message is that we too are able to give and sustain life in our own activities in the world, and each such activity, made holy by investing it with the divine attributes we are given along with our imperfect human ones, is part of the redemption of the world. It's easy to lose the important message of Hasidism in the image of the dancing Chosid, or in Hasidism's devotion to a traditional form of Judaism that progressive Jews don't share. And more than just traditions, while Hasidism focuses on the observance of the myriad commandments of traditional Judaism, there is something missing. Rabbi Hugo Grin of Blessed Memory wrote that there was a phrase that he got into his head and that he found himself repeating over and over, lo to lehit alem, you may not hide yourself. He continued, you see your neighbor's ox or donkey roaming lost or in trouble because its burden is too heavy, and you are busy getting on with your own work and life, and the temptation is really to look the other way, but no, you must stop. Do something to help, even if it is inconvenient. You have to overcome the natural selfish instincts. And this was where Noah failed. He sustained life, yes, but only that of the animals and his own family. The rest of the world, righteous or not, was not his concern. For progressive Jews, that's not enough. We know that justice and right don't stop at our door. And the message of Hasidism, that what one does in the world at every moment can be made holy, and that such holiness is significant, is a message of immense power for all of us, traditional or progressive. We see that we can choose to become part of a redemptive enterprise. That if we recognize the sparks in ourselves as holy, then they are more than just a passing fancy, but actually part of the saving of the world. If everything we do matters, then our intention towards prayer and our commitment to Judaism, our kavanah, is a redemptive reality. This is an ecstatic possibility, which should make us rejoice. Who knows, perhaps it might even make us want to dance. Thank you to Rabbi Gershon Silins, and thank you to Leo Beck College, Reform Judaism and Liberal Judaism for supporting Progressively Jewish. Tomorrow, we're delighted to welcome Tally Artman, final year rabbinical student at Leo Beck College.